Welcome to the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. This is the place where we help young entrepreneurs and professionals to make, keep, and grow wealth that you can enjoy now and for years to come. I'm your host, Jack Gibson, a serial entrepreneur, founder of multiple seven and eight figure businesses and wealth building strategist. Each week, I'm gonna share my tips, resources, and secrets to help you create a plan and build the life you've dreamed of. I love the passive income I get from my Chase Bank. Check out these sick returns. December 30th, 22 cents. January 30th, 16 cents. And February 28th, 14 cents. On my statement, it says the average annual yield earned this period is 0.01%. It's shocking that the banking system would be having so many problems when they reward their customers so bountifully. In my businesses, if I treated my customers like this, I'd be quickly out of business. When my kids were younger and they were starting to pick up on my language, they'd ask, Dad, are you being sarcastic? Very often, since sarcasm is my primary language, the answer was, yes, Tyler. Yes, it was. As we all know, banks take our money and lend it to make huge amounts of money off us. If they give you 0.24%, which is the national average, and they loan your money out at a 5% interest rate, they're earning over 20 times off your money. That's insane. But it's actually far higher than that from what's called fractional banking. Now, not to get into the weeds, but through this system, a bank can lend up to $9 for every dollar it holds in deposits. This is because the loans are made with money that is created by the same act of lending itself. And I have no idea what I just said. I had my AI write, what is fractional banking? That's the answer. I don't really totally understand it. So if you don't either, <laughs> you're a good company. Now, this stingy and abysmal payout is probably leading to their own demise. And as we have found, banks are not doing so well. We'll get into that in a bit. Capital is flowing out of banks at a record pace. Now, this was the real March Madness. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my fam gets a bit intense watching March Madness, and it's awesome, and especially being a house divided. My wife went to Michigan State, and although I went to a small college in Michigan, my loyalties are firmly planted in Ohio, where I was born and raised. The March Madness tournament is very special in the sports world, right? No other sport has a tournament design where the underdog has a realistic chance of being able to be competitive. A small school like Florida Atlantic makes the final floor, making history for being the first team in their entire conference to make it that far. Who the heck is Florida Atlantic? But yet there's a much bigger, much crazier March Madness going on right now. And I know I'm recording this in April, but that's so we're talking seriously crazy. Now, in my podcast and in my newsletter, uh, which is a free uh, service that I offer called the Passive Income Playbook, if you're not subscribed, I highly recommend you are because I do send specific specialized information out to that list. I mean, you get extra crypto picks, you get extra tax strategy documentation, you get access to exactly what I'm going to talk about at the, towards the end of this particular podcast instructions on exactly how to do it. So if you're not on it, just go to myindestructiblewealth.com and you can subscribe for free and you'll get that every Saturday. And you guys definitely, it is definitely worth it. 
You definitely get a lot of bonuses above and beyond what I could give on this podcast because it's very difficult to give out links to these types of special opportunities. But in those newsletters and podcasts, I did say that the Fed would not likely pivot from their intense interest rate rises until something breaks. Well, they've raised them 19 times from their original level, and now something is breaking, and that is the banks. So far, just in March, three major U.S. banks have collapsed. Internationally, the global banking giant Credit Suisse nearly buckled under. The rival Swiss bank UBS acquired it in a $3 billion shotgun wedding arranged by the Swiss National Bank. So the Fed, because of these banks collapsing to prevent a incredible carnage, which probably would have happened if they hadn't stepped in. They promised to ensure customer deposits, which is giving us all you know peace of mind, knowing where our money's not going to go under. And that prevented a large-scale bank run of epic proportions. But it all comes back to Jay Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He's been the bank's worst nightmare. So here's why. Now, I told you this, banks take our money, customer deposits, and then they buy bonds. And of course, they lend it out, right? When they buy bonds, they make the spread between what they pay us in interest, which is essentially nothing, and what they earn on the bonds. So the Fed's aggressive rate hikes have hammered bonds because as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Now, normally this wouldn't be a problem because as long as you hold that bond to maturity, to the, the expiration date, then you won't lose any money. But if enough customers want to pull their cash out of the bank, then the banks are forced to sell those bonds before they mature at a loss. Banks own $4 trillion worth of long-term bonds. They're reportedly sitting on anywhere from $620 billion on the low end to $1.3 trillion worth of unrealized losses. Now, like the 2008 financial crisis, these unrealized losses are creating a contagion in the banking sector. And these losses were entirely preventable with some proper risk management. As panic spreads throughout the world's banking system, Bitcoin suddenly is looking like a safe haven. Now, this, this podcast is not just about Bitcoin, but I do have to throw this in because this is very, very relevant and important reason why Bitcoin was created in the first place was because of what happened in the 2008-2009 banking crisis. In fact, interestingly enough, written into the Bitcoin code, Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonymous developer of it, who still to this day, nobody knows who the heck he is. He wrote into the code a little line about referring to 2008 banking crisis. I don't have it in front of me exactly what he said, but it was very crazy that people finally were able to discover this little hidden message that he put in there. Essentially, what he was saying is, hey, I created Bitcoin because we can't trust the banks. So Bitcoin is up nearly 70% since January, making it the best performing asset so far this year, whereas the banking industry is down 10% and some regional banks are down way more. So the most important point is unlike bank money, Bitcoin is no one else's liability. As long as you custody your own Bitcoin, then it's free of centralized exchanges run by humans that make lots of mistakes, get greedy, and do stupid things. And unlike our government-backed dollars, you can't print any more Bitcoin and dilute its value. It's incorruptible and pre-programmed. There will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin 
period. And sure, Bitcoin's volatile. And yes, you may wake up one morning and it's down 30% or even 50%, but Bitcoin always comes roaring back. After every stomach churning drop, it always powers back to new all-time highs. And there's one reason the bank contagion is causing it to rise and will likely continue to rise from here. People are realizing it's better to deal with the volatility of Bitcoin than the risk of a 100% loss that currently exists in the banking system. If you have not read the Bitcoin standard yet, friends, you got to get this book. If you just simply can't wrap your head around how Bitcoin works or what the value of it is, or if people tell you Bitcoin's a scam, it's a fraud, it's a Ponzi, if there's no intrinsic value, then you simply have not read this book because it explains why it is the most powerful form of sound money ever created in human history. So as customers realized that the banks were not liquid, they started pulling their money out. And besides, who would want to leave their capital in a bank to earn such a measly rate? I mean, it's absolutely terrible, especially if you consider the yield of a three-month U.S. Treasury is at 4.8%. Now, where's all the money fleeing to? If it's leaving the banking system, where's it running off to? The answer is money market funds. The flow of money into money market funds has been stunning in the last year. Just in the last 12 months, capital inflows into money market funds have skyrocketed from 4.45 trillion to almost 5.3 trillion and growing. That's almost 17.5% just this year increase. The reason is very simple. The capital's outflows are all about finding yield or simple terms, a higher interest rate in return. And depositors don't need a $25 million deposit to get uh, 3% in a money market fund. In fact, it's normal to find money markets yielding between 4.25% and 4.75%. And many, they don't have minimum deposits. So money markets are for everyone, not just massive depositors. So with what the banks are currently offering, the capital is going to continue to flow out of banks and flow into money market funds over the coming months. So this is not really that great, though, because here's what this causes. And this is the big point you guys got to get. It means these banks will not have the liquidity to lend. In fact, we can already see this happening in the numbers. The U.S. bank lending has collapsed by the largest amount in history, dropping by $104 billion in the last two weeks of March. This is the important point. This is the beginning of a nasty credit crunch. As the yields on money market funds increase, even more capital will flee the banks. Bank lending will continue to decline, which will directly slow down economic activity. And capital will continue to flee to safety and out of the equity markets thanks to the coming credit crunch. The Dallas Federal Reserve recently released its banking condition survey results. This is uh, critical. It asked 71 banks and credit unions across the Southwest to evaluate their general business activity. The results showed that lending has tightened sharply as of the end of March. Its current reading is negative 18.3, which means 68% of respondents are actively tightening their lending standards. What does that mean? Well, that means businesses will become leaner by cutting staff and holding hiring. At the same time, consumers will find it harder to borrow money to make big ticket purchases like buying a house or a car. 
This is very terrible short-term environment for the markets. And the Fed appears so intent on stopping inflation that has not yet reversed course. So despite the numerous signs of a raging fire, investors are still buying the market. And since January, the S&P 500 is up 6.4% and the tech-heavy NASDAQ is up 14.9%. But what's worse, they're pushing valuations up to insane levels. So right now, stay with me on this, okay? I'm not going to give you too many more numbers here, but stay, stay with me on this point. The S&P 500 is trading at a forward price to earnings, meaning let's say the, the multiple is 18.8x, okay? So if the price to earnings just means what's the price of the stock that you're buying and then how much percentage of that price is in actual earnings or net profits, okay? So here's the important part. That number, 18.8 times, that's nearly 5% higher then it's 17.9 multiple at the end of March. And why this is so important, since World War II, the S&P 500's forward multiple during every recession has dropped to 15X. So if S&P 500 earnings just remain the same over the next 12 months, a 15 times forward multiple corresponds with a level of 32.77. That's an incredible 20% drop from current levels. This is, guys, is why I recommend alternative investments. I recommend wealth without Wall Street is because there's just a lot of things you can't control. And the warning signs um, at the very minimum show an economic slowdown and likely a pretty nasty recession is on its way. Now, will it actually happen? Well, I think it's very likely, but I certainly have no crystal ball. I'm not a you know brilliant economist. I also can't say whether the measures that Wall Street takes and federal regulators take to prevent another Lehman-like crisis will work out. The stock market has been going up on bad news and down on good news. Maybe the Fed goes on another massive money printing run and that jolts the stock market higher, but in a fake way. So if you own stocks, I'm not suggesting that you liquidate them and run for the hills. I would be cautious though about catching a falling knife that is buying stocks as they you know, are on their way down. So what am I doing? Well, my strategy hasn't changed. I'm going to focus on living lean. I'm going to cut out frivolous expenses. I'm going to go through and do another audit of all of our expenses. I'm going to cut out stuff that uh, maybe has gotten creeped its way into our monthly uh, spending. So maybe some subscriptions and things that aren't necessary. I'm going to get a little bit leaner. I'm going to focus on building and buying great cash flow producing businesses investing into good quality rental properties and recession resistant syndications. I'm gonna to continue to buy and mine crypto, which so far has appeared to be a hedge against the financial system and the banks. And most importantly, I'm simply gonna go live my life and be happy. You know, in the 2008 recession, my wife and I stayed focused, we worked hard, and despite the financial sky falling around us, we still managed to hit the top 1% in a marketing company. So we were able to still create growth despite uh, an adverse market. And uh, regardless, I want to prepare you for the possibility the market and economy might get much worse before it gets better. Now, fortunately, there's something that you can do right now. You can get the absolute safest asset right now at its best valuation in 15 years. It's the definition of risk-free. And right now, this asset yields between, at the minimum, four times upwards to 40 times what you can get in a bank account. 
that makes it an income play that can shield you from further trouble ahead in the banking sister, uh, sector while growing your income. And what am I talking about? <laughs> Good old plain, boring U.S. treasuries. So tre treasuries are the debt obligations of the U.S. government issued by the U.S. Treasury Department. So these are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. In other words, the government's power to tax and to print money. <laughs> This quality is why we call treasuries a risk-free investment. Now, unless the U.S. government goes bankrupt, which is a highly unlikely event, you'll receive your entire principal back, provided you hold these securities to their maturity date. Now, personally, I'm going to buy some short-term treasuries um, to park my cash in the short term uh, while I'm waiting to see what my next move is. These are... T-bills issued for periods as short as 30 days and uh, for as long as two years. Right now, you can earn yields around 4% on these types of treasuries. I created a document where I'll show you how to buy treasuries directly from the U.S. government. I sent it out to all of my Passive Income Playbook subscribers. Now, if you missed out on that, um, what you can do is just go to the site, myindestructiblewealth.com. Um, click on the little pops up in around five seconds. Just enter in your, your email address there. You'll be right on the list. You'll get the passive income playbook from here on out. But that doesn't help you if you missed the last episode, right? The last newsletter. Once you're on the list, just click reply and send me an email. Just say, hey, could you send me the how to buy US treasuries? I'll be happy to flip that over to you. So that's how you can get a hold of that. It's a step-by-step -step document that shows you exactly how to do it. It's really not that hard. I mean, you don't really even need my help. You could just go to Google and Google, you know, how to buy U.S. treasuries. You go to treasury.gov and you can get them right there. But um, if you want the step-by-step -step instructions, make it real easy and uh, paint by numbers, just uh, subscribe and uh, pop me an email and I'll get it over to you. And if you're already on my list, thanks for being on my list. I appreciate you guys subscribing and consuming my content. And if this has been valuable for you, please give me a five-star rating and review. I appreciate those so much. They're very valuable to help push out this content to more people who need it. And don't forget to share the episode on social media. Appreciate you guys so much. Have a great day. Always love that uh, I'm able to pour into you guys and help you guys out. That's a wrap for this episode on the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. If you'd like to dive deeper into your own wealth building strategy, check us out at myindestructiblewealth.com and follow along on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Send me your questions and your financial challenges and I promise I'll respond. Also, I'll think you're really awesome if you'll share and leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, remember our mission here is to help you make, keep, and grow wealth you can enjoy now and for years to come.